Hey, y'all. I hope you're all safe and at home. This week's episode is with Ryan Newland. He's one of the last people I interviewed before this entire COVID-19 situation started, and he's an important part of the barbecue community. Uh, from bangers to Liberty to Estrada's Barbecue, he's making all kinds of tools for the barbecue cook. I spent a few weeks hanging in his shop, and if you want to see the footage, subscribe right now to the YouTube channel, and you'll be notified when I post it. Unlike many of my other interviews, there was no smoky smell. We were in a room full of metal and tools. There was a bit of that ozone smell you get from a welder hanging in the air. And he has a ton of equipment. Forklifts, empty tanks, cutting, welding, bending tools. We sat next to a giant propane tank that was on its way to becoming the shop pit for Backline. Actually, if you check their Instagram right now, you can see pictures of that pit and more uh, all completed and in beautiful shape. He creates unique pits, and each one is kind of a piece of its own. Uh, his shop is also unique because they throw a party every time a pit is finished. Ryan loves the community, and he even brings in local cooks to make the food for his events. I'll take any excuse to get out to the Texas Hill Country. Driving the windy roads of West Austin is a nice break from the city. I hope you enjoy this long conversation with Ryan Newland of Backline Fabrication. Hey, come in and meet Y'all see me eat, man. Hit on the meat, man. Y'all to see me eat, man. I got jaws like a bear trap, a teeth like a razor. I made tack tongue with a sensitive taster. I was born out in Texas called the land of beef. Never catch a muscle green to show the hell that like a meat on the meat, man. Y'all to see me <laughs> I know everything about you, bro. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Thank you for watching the best barbecue show. We are here in almost Dripping Springs. Is there a name of this town? Uh, yeah, it's Austin. Yeah. <laughs> We're at the edges of Austin, approaching Southwest. Dripping Springs. Uh, and I'm here with Ryan from Backline Fab, uh, one of the most interesting fabricators, I think, in Austin right now. Uh, he does make barbecue smokers, but he's made sets for Katy Perry and made all kinds of devices for Lady Gaga. Has done some pretty amazing work. I'm sure we'll get into that. But uh, welcome, Ryan. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you. Uh, it's uh, it's cool to see. You know, when I first met you, I didn't realize that you had this crazy background of building, you know, sets and what would you call the thing you built for Lady Gaga? Like a, like a Which robotic one? platform. That that floating dress. Yeah. Yeah, we call it the floating dress. The floating dress. Yeah, but that that was done through our company out in California that that I worked for. And uh, and so I mean. You're focusing more on the barbecue pits now, or how did you get into it's, building pits? Yeah, it's pretty much the mainstream of, of where Backline's going. Um, you know, we'll still dabble in the entertainment when it comes to South By and or if another tour comes up or something. Um, but yeah, we started, uh, we, meaning me, if you notice, we got a big crew walking around this place. <laughs> yeah, it's real busy. <laughs> so yeah, I started barbecue um, basically back uh, back in L.A., um, when I was living there, and my buddy was always barbecuing stuff, and I decided I wanted to barbecue some stuff, and instead of buying a smoker, I decided to build one. Um, and then that kind of started the passion. Then when I moved out here, I was in the process of building an upgraded version, which is the one you've seen outside, good old Spidey out there. Uh, and then um, we did a couple competitions with it, and we won a competition, non-sanctioned event, but we still we still won, so we were pretty proud of that, me and my buddy. Uh, and then that turned on the the craze of uh building smokers so then it was a, it was a hobby and now it's a business so was the first the first smoker you built was a vertical no it was a horizontal um 
with the firebox from below is just basically a straight feed and it was a 55 gallon oil drum oh that's the one that's sitting out on uh, the we side. Got, i got rid of it oh, you got rid of it completely ago. yeah nice so it used yeah, to be the junk man the took it <laughs> <laughs> so yeah it's gone unfortunately it's a good price for scrap these days no not at all so but i'm sure it's not cheap to buy all these tanks uh, no, it depends where you get them from. Some people are really proud of them, and some people just want them off their property. So it's finding the finding the right people. The latter sounds like it's the better move. You got to find the people that are just looking for someone to haul it away. Yep. Uh, and I mean, with with barbecue and pit builders and everything growing, there probably is that you just find yourself kind of looking at fields and trying to spot pits. In random places as you drive around? Yeah, and I think that's just been ever since I had the passion for the barbecue. It's just you're always looking around for, you know, other people's pits and, and see what they got out there. And, and yeah, and looking for potential builds, um, which is looking for the tanks and, and all that good stuff. But a lot of searching on Craigslist and Marketplace, I'll tell you that. <laughs> well, and you're also, you know, you have a kind of a foot in two different doors because a lot of the Texas barbecue guys don't know a lot of the competition guys and vice versa. But you kind of, like, you got a Jay Tinney hat on right now. Yes, sir. Uh, and, you know, he's a friend of the show. And I've gone back and forth to competitions. Uh, it's it's interesting the way that the scene changes. And it's cool to see that you're creating pits for competition guys where a lot of them are using pellet smokers or, you know, uh, Weber Smoky Mountains or just big closets. Yeah. It's, uh, it's nice for, you know, some of the guys that really want to to stick with the old stick burner. A lot of guys in, in competition that I know they're, they're tried and true and they, they think the pellet grills and all that aren't, aren't really smoking food, but you know, I'm not going to lie. I own one, you know, I have a Traeger and, and I love it. I mean, I don't compete with it when I do competitions. I always break out old, old faithful Spidey. Uh, when I feel like going through a cord of wood, just in a competition. Now, so. Yeah. I was going to say our friend Ted Rutherford the, the other day when you had one of your, pit unveilings was talking about that thing eats wood pretty fast huh yeah yeah it was eating it pretty good um yeah we finished off his uh his uh what did he have in there i think he had his pork loin or something in there we had to finish that off um so it'd be ready for for everyone to enjoy well and speaking of you you throw these really fun parties every whether it's a a small competition pit or a thousand gallon restaurant pit you, you you do this awesome event where you kind of display the pit. Uh, I've been here when it's kind of already hooked up, where you've taken the forklift out and put it onto the trailer. It's a, it's cool to watch kind of the the giveaway, the handoff. Yeah, uh, was that just something you you like to do, or? Yeah, it was something uh, that I thought of out of. It just kind of came out of nowhere, and I was just I was thinking, man, it's really cool that these people are spending a lot of money you know, to buy these barbecues and some of them, you know, none of this stuff is a necessity. It's not like food and water and all that. I mean, these are, these are wants, you know, and you don't need them to survive. So for people to spend the kind of money that, you know, all these pit builders are charging for these pits, I figured I'd throw them a party when they come pick it up just to show appreciation. And some of the people are coming from out of state. So it allows them to come in and, and meet people like you and Jay Tinney and, you know, all these other guys that run around in the Texas barbecue scene, you know, even farther than Texas barbecue scene. So it, a lot of people, when they when they leave here, they leave with more friends than anything, which is basically what I'm trying to do is just make the circle bigger. You know, I, I think it's it's a good gesture to the customers. Well, and last or I guess not last week, two or three weeks ago, there was a guy from Oklahoma 
They yeah. got that green pit. Yep. They were pretty cool, and they brought They're you really cool. You kind of traded. They brought you some some pieces too, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, they brought me some uh, some ball valve drains and and some elbows that, for some reason, I can't find them inexpensive out here in Texas. And they brought me some from Oklahoma, and worked out real nice. And you've got people. I know you got people hitting you up all the time. I think we were talking about. You said someone that's like in another country was hitting you up to try to build a a pit. Is it? Yeah. Have you noticed? with the parties that there's kind of this influx of, Hey, we want one too. Yeah. It's been growing. Well, cause we've only been really pushing the smoker thing on our business for maybe six, seven months. I mean, we've been building them, but now it's like we're full fledged trying to, to push this as the main business. Um, so since we've been doing that, we've been getting a lot more interest, but yeah, these parties and all the social media, as you climb up in social media, uh, people start, um, noticing you from different deals like depending on if they're searching their own hashtags and one of your pits pop up or however and then they're like well now we need to know how much these cost you know can can we get them here or or whatever so yeah i just had a guy hit me up in canada so we'll see we'll see how that goes uh you think i'll come down to pick it up or are we going to do like a i would hope so that'd be a pretty rad party (laughs) yeah right or just give it away as we're loading it into a crate right set it up on a semi truck and wave have have you party for him What's the furthest one of your pits has gone at this point? Uh, it's just Oklahoma. That's all the my furthest other stuff, one. Yeah, all my other stuff has has been pretty local. Uh, but you've 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 got a lot of friends here in Texas, and I mean, there's a gaggle of photographers at this point. Um, Dog fathers, Ted Rutherford, and a few others that are always we're always kind of zipping around trying to yeah. get video. I jumped on your the forklift the other day to try to get a cool <laughs> shot of you uh, moving that pit around. Yeah. Uh, it's a it's a really fun party and and I've been chasing the the really fun people in barbecue lately and I've been finding like I ran into Matt's barbecue from Portland a few weeks ago and they're they just have a great vibe they're all they've got their own little hooting and hollering that they do when they're excited about something they kind of whistle from across the bar to each other and like they they just have that cool vibe and it, and it's fun because you create that vibe and you have kind of that crew that you know, Brotherton's picking up a pit here this weekend. We had the Oklahoma guys. We had a barbecue coop. Um, yeah, and John Barton, the competition yeah, guy. John Barton came. And, you know, every time there's kind of a different group of people, but there's also kind of you're building this core of guys that are at every pickup. Yeah, that's uh, – it's really cool when you get people keep coming by. And, and even some of, you know, the it's it's awesome when you have one of your customers that already had a pit pickup party for themselves when they come, you know, down or up from wherever they're they're coming from and, and they get to experience and help somebody else get that same experience that they got. So we had uh, CRJ Barbecue, Chance Morton, he came down all the way from uh, Dallas and to at the, he was at um, Barton's pickup party. He had to miss this last one. Uh, I think he's trying to come down for Brotherton's also which would which would be pretty cool that'd be super fun yeah and you also i mean not not just offset pits you have kind of a a line that you created now you've got the multi-tool yep that's our live fire one of our live fire rigs so that's kind of the end the end of a pit like a nice almost like a little fire tank head yeah fire pit style tank head that's the word uh you you put the tank head then there's like a grate and then a plancha and then these chains that you can hang other stuff with. I mean, it's, it really is a multi-tool. Yeah. How, how, how many, uh, how many things you can cook at once on there? Like a dozen? 
Uh, well, right now, well, I mean, yeah, you can cook a lot on there because the, the surface is, is quite big and, and the grill surface itself takes up the whole diameter of the uh, tank head. So if you push the plancha out of the way, because everything pivots out of the way, just like a Swiss Army knife, you know, that's where we get the multi-tool gotcha. uh, deal from. So you just push stuff out of the way if you need a full cooking grate, but then you could also move stuff over to half that cooking grate, put the plancha back in, preheat that plate, and then you could start, you know, searing things or heating up tortillas, depending on what you're serving. Oh, I see. So you can heat the plancha and then pull it off to have more cooking area. Yeah. Ah. Swivel it out of the way. And at the same time, you have the chains where if you were doing a chili or something, you can hang a Dutch oven off of the chains and just drop it, you know, pretty well. You can only go with a cooking grate in the way you can only go to the cooking grate, but you can literally set it on there, hang it up a little bit so you can still move it. Um, so you can change, your, you know, put your fire in there, stoke the fire. Or you could throw your Dutch oven in, right in there under the grate. Yep. Wow. You're going to, we're going to have to do like a shoot one day of just the 7,000 ways you can set it up and all the yeah. different foods and. Yeah, the one we made for the one that uh, has been on a bunch of pictures and videos already is is for Rosser's Blue Cord Barbecue. Um, it's actually sitting here today. Uh, that thing, it still is getting a couple more components that we haven't quite put on yet. Uh, we're gonna wait until we have it really dialed in on what Rossler's needs are gonna be. But he's definitely gonna get an Iron Cross built onto there too. So. Oh really? Yeah. Be pretty sweet. So that he, he can, can do just a flip whole, it in. Yeah, he could do a whole whole animal on there. And, and the cool part about that is, if you're doing a hog or whatever, uh, you'll still be able to use your cooking grate, so you can let all that nice pig juice drip on and you know brine your other your other food, whatever is you know whatever you're cooking below. Yeah, Elliot Moss would appreciate that. He does a lot of he he has a, these tiny uh, cookers, not not that different from the ones you built at Bangers. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, like the big coffin top closes but what he'll do is he'll actually put he'll have the hog and then he'll even put ribs over that with some grates and then he'll put uh, a pan he'll put pans of green beans and whatever so he's catching all those nice. drippings yeah so he, he he doesn't have a lot of space so it's cool to see you know you, you even though you know we're in texas and you could have built this giant thing it's it's smarter because now that thing can go on the back of a truck you can cook for i don't know at least 50 people with that thing right oh yeah yeah, we did uh, two pickup parties ago. Rossler, he uh, did all the cooking for our events because at our events we offer free food with our guest cooks. Um, so he cooked on it and did uh, pork chops and a bunch of other stuff. I think we had probably 40-plus people. You came to that one. Yeah. Yeah, there's probably 40-plus people here, you know, throughout throughout the time, and he cooked on it no problem. There's, And actually uh, he did a pop-up with it, uh, I would say, three weeks ago or four weeks ago. And... He was on it all day, and um, they moved hundreds of people through the line. So, wow. yeah, but he was just constantly steak, constantly cooking. cooking. Uh, well, he had um, he had brisket on, but what he was doing is cutting the brisket and then building them in tacos. But as he was building tacos, he was really using that plancha plate a lot. So he'd put his tortilla down, his sauce on there, and then basically sear the brisket as he was putting it on. Um, I'm probably way off of what I'm saying, but that's what it looked like to me. <laughs> he, hey, I was the there. I was there just drinking cider and keeping the fire lit for him because he was he was pretty busy. But they moved a lot of people through the line. Well, and, and you know, speaking of people coming here, there's also you have some cool neighbors. You got Frankly Vodka, yep. uh, 
Twisted X is down the street, and a lot of them will bring beer and kind of supply the party as well, which is a, a pretty cool thing. Yeah, yeah. Frankly, uh, they always supply our vodka for us. We're, and uh, actually at Brotherton's uh, reveal party, we're going to do another Bloody Mary bar. Uh, Treaty Oaks is coming, the whiskey distillery. They're right down the street from us. They're coming with their pickup truck and a keg full of their uh, mixed cocktails. So they'll be pouring right out the truck. Uh, which is pretty cool. And, yeah, usually Hunter over at Twisted X, he supplies our beer for us. You know, we drink the Pitmaster over here usually, and it's a good time. Yeah, it's a, it's a great time. I'm I'm sitting here getting hungry and thirsty just <laughs> about Sunday because uh, it's coming up. I mean, I guess it's, it's coming up three quick. days. Yeah. Uh, so it's not that far off. Um, and this rig that's right behind you, that's a, this is your rig, right? This is going to be your loaner pit? It'll be the shop pit, yeah. And, uh yeah, we'll give it out to people who need to, who either want to see what it's like cooking on one of my machines or, you know, if they're in a pinch and they're, they need more room or whatever, then, you know, they can come borrow it or rent it or however we work it out. Or, you know, it's, it's, uh, still, it's still got some time on it. Actually, it's going on its first run at the end of the month. Uh, Trey Sanchez of Vaquero's, uh, Texas barbecue is, is coming down from Dallas and he's going to use it at the end of the month for a wedding that he's doing. So. It'll be nice. just it'll be just the just the smoker. It won't have the other uh, bells and whistles that are going on the trailer on it. But yeah, but it, it sounds like eventually you're gonna you're gonna build it into kind of a, a whole bunch of stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. It'll have a multi tool on it. It'll have uh, one of my Santa Maria grills, probably the same size of the one that we have sitting over here, uh, uh, two foot by five foot, um, which is pretty much the biggest that I that I make so far. Uh, because then you're the price will really jet up once you go past, you know, a certain size because now you're you're cutting your sheets of material the other way. And now you're losing a lot more material, so you're you're you have to buy it twice as much at that point. So they're sticking around the five foot because we could buy five five by ten material. Well, and you uh, you have a bunch of cool stuff. I mean, you you've done all kinds of special stuff for bangers, right? Yeah, uh, we got their hog boxes. Um, like you said before, the, the little coffins, the little pig coffins. Uh, and they have a seven-foot vertical smoker that I built also. It's an offset vertical. And you also helped uh, DD's, which is a, a really famous Thai food yep. truck. Yep. And they have, what's a rotisserie? He's got a, uh, yeah, a nine-spit chicken rotisserie. It's, uh, I want to say, if I remember correctly, it sits 11 feet long, and it's uh, three feet um, from front to back, so the 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 chicken spits are both are all uh, three foot deep. So I think he fits four four yard birds on there at a time, for per per spit. Per spit. Yeah, so. has huge potential of doing a ton. So I think he's only running, I think he's only running like four spits, and he only does them on Saturday. So it's like a specialty thing. Yeah, it sounds like he needs to throw a party and get that whole thing running. <laughs> he needs to, and we need some of that chicken. It's really good. Yeah, I've been over there a couple times, uh, but I need to go back because... Have you they, not had it yet? Um, th- I've had the chicken, but it was like I went and got it and didn't realize. It, it was a, a while back uh, when they were at the other location. Oh, yeah, yeah, 6th Street or whatnot. Yeah, yeah. and uh, and I got it, and then I was like, this was so freaking good, and then I went back, and they were like already done, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I didn't really get that I was like got getting something special so I need to go back and get like a whole big, bird big or deal. something. Yeah. The 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 cool part about um building them there well I took over on the pit. He had a bunch of 
bunch of issues go down with whoever was making it originally. So it kind of got uh, dropped in my lap and like, can you resolve this problem? And it was like, yeah, we'll, you know, we'll take care of it. And he, uh, he had came by and kept doing test cooks on it so we could change things or whatnot. So the cool part about that is I got to eat all the food. Yeah. Right. It was real nice. Well, and, and you're not, you're not shy to fix someone else's work. Randy Estrada brought a pit here Yeah, correct. and you got it totally, you know, made it a whole new thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it was at a point where, I mean, it was usable, but it was, it, for me, if I was to look at, it, I would say this is pretty unusable, but he was using it. He was making work with what he had. Um, and we turned that into a pretty efficient, awesome cooking smoker now. And he, uh, he actually started up his business as Estrada's Texas barbecue, um, in Creedmoor. So you guys go check him out when you can. Um, he's out there. Is he cooking already? He's not. Yeah. Um, he better tell me. I told him. He will I, I need to know your opening day, bro. Yeah. I, he might do uh, a soft opening or whatnot uh, coming up soon, but I know his his pits are already screened in at the location he's at. Nice. So, I mean, he's he's like ready. If uh, if anything, I if I remember correctly, he's waiting on maybe one more permit to go through. And once that permit goes through, he can launch. So nice. Him, him physically is ready to go, but technicalities, I think, are holding him back. I mean... How hard is it to get a, a permit run through Creedmoor? Like, is there? I have can't, no. Can't be a long line no at the, the the city office or whatever you're going to. Yeah. I mean, I in Austin, know. you gotta. There's like a whole system now. If you try to go get a permit, you got to go to this place, and they'll even give. They'll hold your space in line, and then text you when you're like ten from being called. So that's how insane it is. Yeah. That's and the crazy. parking lot is like they have like attendants making so is, sure people is aren't Creedmoor crazy. Creedmoor Hayes. So it's not up in Travis, then? I'm not sure which county it is. Because if he is Travis, then he has to go through the Austin one anyway. Oh, does he? Yeah. Oh, then he's screwed. Because I think you go by the county. It's either Hayes or Travis or whatever else you move into. Okay. But I, I don't know. I don't I don't pull permits. I'll, I'll definitely check in with him. Well, no. He better tell me. He'll, uh, well, ask him on Sunday. He's going to be here on oh, Sunday. Yeah, that's true. Well, and, and he's, just a, he's just a hustler. I mean, I ran into him. It's funny because I was going to get barbecue around the holidays and he kept showing up to these places because he was doing tamales. Oh, so yeah. he's he was a badass. dropping them off for you. Yeah. Well, he, they weren't yeah. even for me. I just kept running into him on his tamale oh, drops yeah. and they just happened to be where I was. And I was like, damn, I should have ordered some of these tamales. Yeah. He did me solid, man. I did, uh, I cooked a uh, pork butt and I shredded it all up for what I wanted. And then he actually came and picked up the pork butt from me and he made me uh, five dozen tamales then brought them back and they're good. Boom. Yeah, they do something to the matzah. It's not normal. I, I mean, you could put whatever meat in there. I'm not saying that they were good because of what I cooked, but the way that they do that matzah is is on point. Those Estrada guys, they they got it down. Him and his wife Tessa. Well, don't you think it's interesting that the way I, I think that a lot of foods, you know, when you go into a kitchen or you go into a fancy restaurant, you get a nice steak. That that's it's magical, right? It's it's nice because you're like, wow, they really turned this into something. But barbecue and, and some of these other tamales, some of these foods are like alchemy. It's like, I don't even know, how did you turn ground up corn into this delicious thing? How did you turn this tube into a, you know, something that cooks amazing barbecue? I mean, it still takes a good cook, but yeah, I, I really think it's, I think it's beautiful to see the the magic or the alchemy, the 
the the complication of barbecue because it's not something I can show you how to cook a steak, but cooking a brisket, I'm still trying to get that quite right. I think uh, I think 90% of the people are still trying to get it right. I mean, everything changes so often, and you know, depending on depending on what pit you're using or what wood you have or anything. I mean, your variables change on a daily when it comes to any of that stuff. So that's why when everyone builds their pits, you know, all the big guys out there, Mobergs, Mill Scales, Big Phils, AJ, myself. Close. Close, yeah. Everyone, you know, they we all try to make an efficient pit. I mean, you can't go wrong with any of our pits, I don't think. You know, they're, they all run efficient. They, they're all good, you know. So it's like we're – we're supplying the equipment, so you're right. It's up. It's kind of up to the cook to figure out their tool. Just because you drive a Ferrari doesn't mean you're going to win the race, you know? Exactly. Well, and my buddy's got this 500-gallon pit. Shout out to the Smoke Trail. And uh, I, I've now cooked a couple briskets with him, and I just keep – I take them too long, or I, I just keep – it. I don't even screw it up a lot. I just screw it up a little bit, and it's just enough. You know, the middle's good. It, there's tons of good bites in there, but it's yeah. not a whole – a whole thing you know so many variables well but also if you were running your own 500 if you owned it and you were cooking on it all the time you're going to figure it out pretty easy I mean, you know some of these guys they just you know i know a lot of guys they all run mobergs and they just go in light the fire and they kind of walk away and they just haven't figured out you know i mean it runs itself so it's like it's a good deal well is there a challenge to i know you do test runs and things on these pits is there a challenge to keeping the heat even or uh, you know, are you are you seeing yourself tweaking things depending on how they cook? Um, I kind of go off of a uh, uh, single design on the inside, the way that I've been doing them, and they they run pretty even all the way across. Uh, I mean, your uppers will run usually about fifty degrees hotter than my lowers, and that's only over an eight or nine inch span. So it was unbelievable to me the first time we fired that up, and I saw that you know being so new to the game, I guess you could say. Uh, I would not expect nine inches very, you know, 50 degrees over nine inches, but that's what happens. But that 50 degrees will travel from one end to the other and stay pretty, you know, consistent. And the bottoms stay pretty good, too. I made a really long 500-gallon, same diameter as this 375 for uh, Dustin Putska of the uh, uh, Putska's Family Barbecue. He said he ran that thing for three days at Coke Fest. And he said all three days from the firebox to the stack, he said he varied seven degrees. Wow. So, so I figured that was pretty uh, that was pretty good. Yeah, and that's, I mean, that's that's almost crazy to think. You know, people talk about hot spots, and you still learn there's little tiny pieces, but it, it's cool to see that it's so even. Do you put a ton of gauges on yours? Or you? Some people just put, like, one at the end or one at the top or... Yeah, some some people that cook they don't even they don't even use the gauges they don't even reference them uh, you know these these guys have it down to a science but uh, I'll just put in as many gauges as for one the customer wants or needs uh, but if I do double racks then each level next to each door gets a gauge unless I'm doing a competition pit I do single doors and they're really long uh, so you get two gauges on the door oh actually on the door yeah. Oh, I see. Only on the comp in the backyards because I take up almost the whole surface of of the pit as the door. Yeah, it's a big door, and there's no counterweight. No, Barton has a counterweight. Oh, he does. Yeah. Oh yeah, I guess he did. Yeah, he had I had to think about that. Yeah. But you're not a fan of the counterweights. I'm not not a big fan. 
You you think it affects the seal or just no, the principle no, or it's what? Just, it's just a pain in the butt to put them together. You know, it's like you're dealing with a heavy weight. You know, you're trying to have a one man show. So it's like I don't have hey hey Bill, come over here and hold this real quick while I tack it on. Yeah, but you got some cool lifts and stuff that can hold it for you. Yeah, sometimes sometimes they're hands. sometimes they're busy holding up another pit. So it's uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that could be challenging, but it's. I just don't like the way they look because I like I like all my pits real streamlined. Um, I mean, you you can't notice on this one, but you'll notice on on Brotherton's and all the other pits and Ted Rutherford's that'll be done soon. Is I cut all the mumbo jumbo off, all the hooks are off, all the bungs are off, everything's off, and I and I smooth them out. Um, and that's just part of my style that I like. I don't like to have things sticking up, and I just it just needs to look sleek. If it's not nice and clean, then it's not one of my pits. Well, and I honestly am, I'm not a huge fan. I haven't really lifted a a door with a counterweight that I really like. It it often feels like it's not, like it, like it might close back down on you. Uh, oftentimes, I end up opening it too fast because it's, you expect it to be heavier. And I like the door to kind of have some weight because it'll really seal up and you'll, you won't get, you know one tiny little bit of smoke coming out it'll all come out the right end yeah the uh the one we did for barton it has it has that nice heavy lift i guess as you start and then the counterweight will kick over it's actually it's pretty balanced bounce pretty well um for weight purposes i mean you still like i said you still have some weight but once you come past that one tipping point obviously the counterweight takes over and and, and takes the door with it but uh i don't know did you say you were at were you were at Barton's? I don't I don't remember. Yeah, yeah, the the, the gray one. The gray one with yeah. the red. Yeah, yeah. So his the uh, boomer. No, the boomer was before that. Oh, the boomer was before that. Yeah. Sorry. No, the gray one, and then he. Uh, so his wife. So I don't know if you saw her. She's she's tiny, so she had to be able to uh, lift that door. So that's why we went with the counterweight. Oh right, that was the one with the really nice paint job. Yeah. Where it like almost looked three dimensional because you put so many layers of yeah. paint. Yeah. Yeah. That was super cool. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate well, that. and you're you're more of like an engineer fabricator than really a pit builder, so you can bring all of that knowledge to this, where you can add these little touches. You can make sure it's it's more thought out than someone who might just be you know welding tubes together. Yeah, uh, there's yeah, there's a lot of my background that I picked up on that allows me to do a couple of things that the average Joe can't do. Um, I mean, we're not building rockets here. I mean, anyone can do it, but it like looks kind of like a rocket, <laughs> right? I incorporate like on my Santa Maria's I do chains and gears and same thing at bangers. I did all their stuff with, uh, with roller chain and, and sprockets, uh, for me just cause it, it looked cool. But a lot of, a lot of people won't go through the effort. It's, it's expensive and it's it's kind of a pain because yeah you got to line everything up and it's not just a cable wrapping around a a tube like normal. So well, and you you understand twelve volt systems and electronics and you know I I, I kind of want to pick your brain about rewiring my motorcycle, but you also made this cool pit that runs on a little electric. You took a a Moberg, a Moberg yeah. and you put it on like an electric cart, <laughs> so the guy can just kind of walk his pit around like a dog. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly how it works. Um, it's, it's pretty heavy though. We, we maxed that motor out pretty much, uh, the, my math on, on the pit wasn't, wasn't quite right, but, uh, it, it, it goes, um, it still needs a little bit of help getting into his toy hauler, 
because it is so heavy, but it it works. Yeah, as long as he stops giving people rides on it. He definitely gives people rides on it. <laughs> I've seen the videos. It's a good, yeah, it's a good show. It's a cool uh, that was a cool little wagon though. Well, and you know all these things have you know in a normal place you'd have to hire a guy to build that. You'd have to you'd have to source out two or three people where you can just do all that stuff yourself. It's it's kind of cool that you know this you walk in here and it looks like just a normal welding shop but you've got some boards for building sets yeah. uh and you, you do a lot of work at south by southwest sometimes right yeah yep so far every every year that we've been open we've been doing quite a bit of stuff for south by um waiting so, to see so, waiting to see what what falls in this year we're getting there it's getting um, close yeah real like close. a month away yeah <clears throat> and they don't give you a lot of notice huh they just call you up sometimes a week sometimes two weeks if you're lucky you get a month uh, and I mean, I'm guessing there's no pit pickup parties during South by it's going to be, you're going to be going nuts in here. We'll see. We'll see. There's a couple, a couple guys chomping at the bit for theirs. Uh, so we'll see if we can get them done in time. Do you think, uh, do you think you'll ever stop doing the fabrication and just do the pits? You know, you ever, you ever just going to see like, sorry, South by can't do it. I don't think so because that's I really love that part and that's actually why I opened uh, this company up and that's where the backline name comes from because backline to anybody that's from this town or anywhere that knows anything about music is the backlines are the guys that are behind the scenes that are you know wiring up all the instruments and microphones and lighting and all that kind of stuff um, and so I named the company after that style because we were so into one of my passions was doing all the world tour the stage props and stuff yeah. so it, it made sense and then people in the industry it you know it kind of doesn't make sense to them because they hear backline they think we're going to wire up you know microphones and stuff but the fabrication part added it to uh to where you know i build stage props so it made sense to me and and i mean the name sticks and and there's a lot of people that know what we're about so do you have a favorite story of some pyrotechnic or crazy props that you got to build oh man the list is too long on <laughs> the list is definitely Just too long pluck on one props. out tell us a story uh well we can go to we can go to super bowl um this wasn't done through through backline but i i built it through the company we worked at in la and uh we took a mobility cart you know what the mobility carts are the little yeah little jazzy four-wheel four wagon or yeah little scooters so we took uh we took one of those and we pulled everything out of it except you know just it was a raw shell and we modified the rear axles we modified the front axles we put a 125 cc two-stroke motor in it and we had to run the exhaust everything then we put the shell back on it so it looked like it was still one of the battery powered deals and they had a stunt man all dressed up like an old man and he was ripping around on that thing. Uh, we had all it had five gears on it, and the brake still had a clutch on there. We had to modify basically the whole cart. So you built a motorcycle. Yeah, a four wheel buggy. <laughs> it was it was pretty cool, man. I think and I've seen videos of that. Yeah, you probably have. Did I show you one at all or no? I, I don't they're know if you out, had, but they're still out there on on YouTube. You can look it up, and it's I'll, a Taco I'll have Bell to clip teaser. One. Yeah, it's pretty it's pretty rad. So it was a Taco Bell event. It was a yeah. It was the teaser to the Super Bowl Taco Bell commercial. Did they let them rip around the field on that? Yeah, 
That's crazy. Yeah, it wasn't at the Super Bowl field. It, it was, oh, filmed, it was a different in, field. Yeah, it was filmed in L.A. Gotcha. Yeah. I'd say that probably teared, teared the field up a little bit. It wasn't as bad as we thought it was going to be. Oh, I'll that's tell you good. that much. You know, and a couple digs in it when when the stunt man rolled it and flipped it, but that's no big deal. Really? He tossed. Did did he did he take a few spills? Oh yeah. They they actually instead of cutting them, they're actually on the footage of the commercial. They they kept them. What uh? Do you have a general sense of like top speed or anything on that thing? We were shooting for. I want to say we were shooting for sixty miles an hour, but we didn't. I don't think we got that fast because. The we since we stuck with the original jazzy wheels, uh, the sprocket was already like a quarter inch off the ground, so we couldn't really change the sprocket size to get us any faster. So we were pretty maxed out. You did original wheels and tires too. Yeah. You're lucky it didn't shred those. Yeah, we modified the axle and did a, we basically made it like a go kart. We made a straight axle in the rear and welded <laughs> welded the sprocket to it. And so was that like a you took it to your shop, made it, and then brought it? Or were you kind of on location having to do a bunch of stuff? No, we did it all at the shop. and it, uh, That's one of those time frame things where the decisions are made on which direction the advertising company wants to go. And then I want to say we only had a week to build that cart. And, wow. And that's not just including us because it's a whole team of people. And luckily, the shop that I worked at before, they, we had all our fabricators, our construction workers, our uh, sculptors, our scenic artists. Everybody was all in under one roof. So it worked out super, super cool that as soon as we were done, like, fabricating stuff, we could send it to scenic. And then they went ahead and started, you know, painting stuff or, or modifying. We could send the chassis part up to our construction shop, and they'd start cutting it apart and making sure that everything fit around the motor. Uh, so when it was all said and done, we had two next to each other. You could barely tell the difference um, because we had to have one where a real old old man was driving in on it. And he can't. He wasn't going to go on the gas one. Right. Because I ain't going to lie, I flipped it at the shop. You know, and it was <laughs> well, <laughs> the thing had okay. the thing had some juice. So then it's pretty <sighs> cool. Well, but, it's not like you got a instruction manual or a, like you didn't get the the diagram for it. You just figured it out, right? Yeah, we had to. 90, 95% of the stuff w- that in my background came from is we had to figure it out. And luckily for, luckily for me, we had an awesome team of guys that really pulled through. One of my buddies, he lives out here now. Um, you know, he was with me, and he's super talented. His, his name's Dave. Um, he was on that with us, and he's he knows 12 volts. He knows all the stuff. You know, basically, if I had to, if I had to trust me leaving the shop to anybody to finish the work. If I started something and all of a sudden both my legs got broken, I couldn't do it anymore. I could call him and, and he would finish these and, wow. and could make anything just the same way that I would. It's, it's cool to know, you know, I, I don't know very many people I would trust to edit my videos or do any of the stuff that I do. So that's, yeah, a, that's he's, a tight dude. Yeah. He's, he's, uh, he's one of my best friends. You know, we've been friends since, I think we were 19. We used to do car stereos together back in Arizona. So, have has he been to any of the parties? Have I met him? <sighs> He's been to a couple. Um, He's gonna come on Sunday. Uh, I don't think he's gonna be in town on Sunday. But oh. did he move out here to hang out with you? I think he did, but he says he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I think he likes following me around. <laughs> well, and <clears throat> you get. 
the same, but also a completely different lifestyle here. You know, you get similar weather to the West Coast. You get a lot of those things, but now you've got big barbecue pits, a lot more space. I'm guessing where you live is probably a little more spacious than where you lived on the West Coast, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. We've got double our double our square footage on a house for half the price out here, so it was. Yeah, that's a win-win. It's a total win-win. When we first moved out here, we moved out from an 800 square foot house out of LA. We had a cool backyard with a pool and everything, but it was literally 800 square feet. And when we moved to Texas, we rented a house for thousand dollars a month cheaper than our rent in LA, and we moved into 2,400 square feet. So needless to say, we had to go buy some furniture because the whole house was completely empty. So yeah, you like, didn't know well, what to do with it. Yeah. So we lived there the for, I think we lived in that house for a year and a half or two years, and then we ended up buying a house here in South Austin. So Easy enough. Uh, but it's cool because, you know, there's a lot of people in Austin that would get mad and say, oh, too many people from the West Coast are moving here. But my thing is, is that there's a lot of Texans moving from other parts of Texas that aren't making Austin any better. They're just being jerks here when they were jerks over there. But I think good people, talented people, people that have something to offer, you know, I think it's beautiful that Austin's drawing in all these people like you that can do something super unique. Uh, and I think it's super fun because this is just, every time I come here, I learn something new. I see something new, the way that you, even we were talking about the way you bolted down your whole system to run these rails, to use this like amazing, what is that cutter called? That's a horizontal bandsaw. The horizontal bandsaw that yeah. you know you can adjust the speed on and it shuts itself off like there's so much cool gear in here that uh you know i could probably sit here and learn all day maybe i'll maybe maybe the next episode at backline will be me helping you fabricate something and put me to work instead of having me stand here watching you well we'll start with a fire pit <laughs> <laughs> we'll start small <laughs> well and and that's the other thing is that people spend their whole lives just trying to be good welders and you you know what do they call it dropping dimes or something yeah, laying dimes, dimes, stacking dimes. Yeah, uh, you know, and and you're I'm not 100 percent not one of those guys. I, I I I do it sometimes, <laughs> but is that like a different style of welding? Is that what they mean? It's just having your machine dialed in 100 percent, having your uh, material perfectly clean. And when that happens, I mean, yeah, you can lay in some real nice beads. But I mean, you saw me here today welding up some of these shelves and you're like why is that thing popping like that and it's like well because there's still rust on the inside you know i I didn't go through and just clean everything out because honestly some of that stuff gets ground down and there's no reason to sit there and prep everything 100 percent when you're just going to grind it away anyway not for me it's it's just a waste of time well and i mean it's not like you're you know it's not like there's splatters and stuff everywhere you you make great welds no yeah the the welds are still good it's just not all the times you want to take a picture of them and and zoom in on it yeah and they've got (laughs) that i I feel like some people almost like the there's like that kind of rainbow to them too sometimes i just feel like it's like maybe that's maybe that makes sense but it's it feels like it takes a long time that's ha- that's your perfect heat transfer and all that stuff. That's how you know you got like the perfect weld. You penetration on both pieces, and you know your settings or your your voltage is right on your on your machine. And so when you're doing that, you're you're definitely spending time. So Are when you... we put together our fireboxes on our competition and our backyard rigs, uh, they're all laser cut pieces of material. And so once we break into those corners and stuff, 
uh, you should get some pictures of that because that's when we really we really stack them good on that because it's all clean material and I'm not dealing with something that had propane in it for 50 years or whatnot. You know, I know that's not an excuse, but to me, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sit there and grind the inside of these tanks. Well, it's not like you're building a a a, a bridge like the the it's not like the structural. You know, it's it's more than enough to hold what a couple hundred pounds of meat on a rack you can oh, even sure. your racks are made so you can pull them all the way out right correct yeah. which which is super cool because a lot of a lot of the other racks if you pull them halfway out or more than halfway out they'll just fall out yeah yeah there's got to be a a good locking system in there so and we do all of ours from underneath so there's nothing up up top so if you're running if you have your your briskets wrapped your ribs wrapped your pork butt wrapped the last thing you want to do is puncture that because then all your juices come out so all of our locks, I guess, that for the pivot point on that um, are all done from the bottom. So on top of our racks, you have nothing at all that, that'll catch. It's all smooth. Smooth well, surface. Well, not smooth. I mean, can. it's the expanded metal, but yeah. there's nothing per- protruding that's going to that's gonna ruin your your juice flow. And do you sit around, you catch, you look at a lot of pits in pictures, you see a lot of the other, the builders, do you, you have any cool ideas or, or other things i mean you've got the santa maria you've got the multi-tool you've got these offsets is there is there some other things you've got you're, you're thinking about building when you have a little bit of time maybe after south by there might there might be some secrets in there <laughs> we'll see might could be might could be yep uh it, it, well it's just cool because you know i i I try not to, uh, you know, I'm I'm not trying to put anyone else down, but there's a lot of interesting stuff here, whereas a lot of the other pit builders are just building pits, you know, but they're sculptors in their own way. They're artists in their own way. So it's cool to see, you know, you're you're trying to build this kind of multi-rig just so that you have it. Um, you're, you know, you're, I'm not going to give away the secret, but you did something unique to Brotherton's pit that, you know, most guys might not have thought to do or might not have wanted to do. You're not you're not going to turn something down. You're you'll, you'll take someone else's pit that maybe isn't quite right and you'll fix it. Whereas a lot of people would say, "Oh well, that's not my work. I'm not going to touch it." Right? And uh, it, it's cool to see that you know you you have kind of a no nonsense, objective way. That's kind of how I am. It's like people ask me if I'm upset about you know other podcasts or other videos. It's like we're all in the same scene, man. Like yeah. let's just all let's just all support each other like let's i'm gonna do it my way you're gonna do it your way but let's all just get along because like it's more fun to be friends than to be enemies and to get mad about little stupid details that don't matter right oh 100 percent. i agree with that 100 <laughs> percent. it's a <clears throat> it's a small community you know the barbecue scene's a small community even though it's a big community but it seems like everyone that you you know rub elbows with seems pretty cool and there's no reason to to try to make any enemies out of it it's, like you said it takes the fun away from it and, and you know on these pit parties we have we invite everybody you know uh we're hoping you know the moberg shows up at our party you know we're hoping mill scale shows up at our party um talking to another guy uh pit builder and seeing if he's going to come to the party you know it's like why yeah. not you know I'm, I'm on instagram constantly doing uh you know instant messages or dms or whatever they call the thing the private message deal and uh you know with different with different builders that that don't have all that crazy experience you know and you know they're asking me questions i'm helping them i'm walking them through different steps and stuff because for me i don't really care no one's going to come through and duplicate one of my pits 
you know. And if they do, who cares? It's a it's a propane tank. <laughs> we didn't we didn't reinvent the wheel here, you know. Yeah. So, but there are some small things that we do that are different than other people, and that's what makes ours ours and theirs theirs. And I, I don't think any of any of us are are wrong or need to be mad at each other for anything. So. Well, and on top of that, you're a creator, and you're more worried about creating than anything else so it's like you're you're just ready to do work and that's that's when you see someone who really is unique because they're not looking left or right they're looking straight ahead uh and that's i think that's a really it's the best way to get things done because then if someone copies you whatever it doesn't matter because they copied you here and you're up here and if someone copies you here you're you're always growing so everyone can try to copy you but you know, if if you just have one little trick and you never evolve from that, yeah, of course someone can copy that. But when you're always evolving, when you're learning, when you're when you're pushing your limits, like I mean, this is a this is not a, a, a common thing to have. You said there's a three seventy five, three seventy five. So three seventy five, three doors, you know, six racks, uh, you know, the firebox. Are you gonna enclose the firebox yeah, too? Yeah, it'll be insulated. It'll be square. Squared off. Um, you know, you do the you do the the break in the um, smokestack. You have all these things that you do your way, and uh, it's just it's just super cool to see. Now, the last thing I always ask people on my show is, "What's your message to the enthusiasts? What's your message to people out there? Whether they're welding their own thing, whether they're cooking, you know, just people who are listening and they're inspired to to try their own thing. So, what's your message to people who, you know, who want to?" whether they want to build pits or, or cook on one of your awesome devices? Well, <clears throat> it's kind of a loaded question. So, we can unload it. <laughs> well, I guess it's the way everyone else starts out. You know, if you want to make your own pit, just, just dive in it, and you're going to make a bunch of mistakes. Um, you're going to learn 100% on what not to do before you learn what to do. That's, that's guaranteed. Uh, and, you know, if you need any questions or anything just hit me up anyway because it's like i'll tell you what to do i'll tell you what i do uh to help you get through it because a pit you build isn't going to be like i said the same one i'm building so mine's going to cook different than yours anyway uh but just you gotta you gotta figure out your own flow and make it your own um just stay original man just don't don't get on everybody else's road i think you said it best just keep your head keep your head and eyes forward you know uh, I'll find myself every once in a while. I mean, Steven Rossler, he knows me the best out of anybody, I think, in this business so far. And uh, and he'll he'll put me in check once in a while. He'll be like, hey, get back on the main road, you know, because my eyes will start going sideways and stuff. And, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of times where i got to take myself out of social media because you start seeing stuff and you're like, oh, man, I wish I thought of that first. God dang it, now I can't do it. Because that's my that's my theory is if, if, I have, if I see something and it's like, I wish I thought of that. Then I won't do it because somebody else already did it, you know. Um, I know there was some beef on our Facebook this past two weeks about a charcoal basket that we did, and, and I guess uh, we ended up biting somebody else's design. Um, and I apologize to the guy for that because I just went off of a picture that, you know, somebody brought me saying, can you build one of these? So I built it. Uh, because I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say no. If a customer wants that in their pit, then that's what they're gonna get. If they yeah. want Mickey Mouse in their pit, they're gonna get a Mickey Mouse in their pit. <laughs> that's just the way it goes, you know. So I didn't, I didn't realize even catch that. So 
Oh, yeah. I didn't even realize that it was – I thought the guy just pulled a picture that some random – you know, there's so many, like you were saying earlier, there's so many random dudes that just – like pipe welders and stuff that just have – material laying around in their property and they yeah. build smokers so i just figured it was some guy building a smoker but it wasn't it was a it was a guy who that's what he does for a living he makes um accessories uh for for a really high-end you know competition pit uh and i guess we ended up biting his style but i offered to pay for all the baskets that we sold and and uh you know he he didn't he declined it so you know but uh it, it didn't know. come from a bad intention no, not at all, not at all. And I explained to him too. And the thing I said, man, I said, go through my Instagram and look at, you know, look at all my stuff. And and for anyone listening, go on my Instagram, look at all my stuff. Uh, there's not one, there's not one thing that I build that is the same. The next multi-tool you'll see will never look like Rossers. It's going to be something totally different. The next Santa Maria grill isn't going to look like Treaty Oaks or Rossers. You know, it's going to be something different. Every pit I build is something different. And I guarantee you, when you guys see Brotherton's pit, you'll never see another one like it. <laughs> well. Strong words, wise words, uh, a great uh, conversation with Ryan. I don't Ryan. know about the wise part. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you so much. I mean, it's uh, it's really fun to hang out at the shop. It's been fun just seeing you work. And, uh, you know, I'm, I made it this whole time without getting, what do you call it, flash burned? Yeah, yeah. I made it the whole time without looking at looking at the fire, <laughs> looking at the, 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 the brightness. You'll find and, out tonight uh, if you get home and yeah, right? you're going like this. It feels like sands in your eye. Well, I, I made it this far, and uh, I got some cool shots of you welding. People will get to see those, but it, it, it's it's a great shop. It's just a it's a cool space, and you're in a cool part of town. You know, the rest of the city is moving out this way, and uh, and we'll see what what happens next. But thank you. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. Hey, to come in and meet man. Y'all see me eat man. Hit on the meat man. Y'all to see me eat man. I got jaws like a bear trap, a teeth like a razor. I made tack tongue with a sensitive taster. I was born out in Texas called the land of beef. Never catch a muscle green to show in the hell of like a meat on the meat man. Y'all to see me eat